With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The Miami Marlins. Yes, those same Marlins that were supposed to be, quote, the worst team in the history of baseball, end quote. Your Miami Marlins have decided to take five of their last six, finishing out the last three games of the St. Louis Cardinals series with two wins. They have swept the oh-so-mighty Philadelphia Phillies. They own a top-five starting staff in all of baseball, not just the National League. Again, I'll say it, in all of baseball. Whether it's Brian Anderson or Garrett Cooper, or Harold Ramirez or Pueyo or Miguel Rojas or whoever wants to be the person, even JT Riddle, who produces offense for this club at the moment, they just keep on hitting in timely fashion. In the minors, they have a top prospect performance every single day. If you look at Pipeline sending daily tweets, if you look at Baseball America or Baseball Prospectus or 2080 Baseball every single day, there's another arm and another bat, whether it's Isan Diaz or Monte Harrison, whoever the case may be, who is getting the designation of a top daily prospect. So much so that the national media is starting to change their tune a little bit. You start seeing individuals tweet out and you start seeing segments talking about how this rebuild might have been judged prematurely. How the fact that the reason that there's a top five uh, staff at the moment in South Florida is because it's filled with individuals like Al Contrera and Caleb Smith, like Zach Gallen, like Jordan Yamamoto, who came back in pieces of this rebuild. Where we see players like a Sixto Sanchez in the minor league system or George Alfaro with at the moment is on the IL, hopefully with a minor concussion, he'll be able to come back producing the way that they need to be producing a savvy nuanced signing like a Harold Ramirez or a trade acquisition from a Garrett Cooper. I guess I would say that some of us have been saying this all along. Some of us might've been getting crucified for saying these type of things and yet it is happening. This is another episode of Fish Bites. My name is Danny Martinez. As always, it's a pleasure to be with you. I, I, I'm excited, not because it's it's that they're winning. I'm excited because of who is producing the product on the field. Today, I'm also excited because one of my favorite people on Twitter is coming on. Kevin Smith is going to be joining us later. So you only get, you know, thank thank Kevin for this. You only get about 30 minutes of me. And then we'll talk a good 15, 20 minutes with Kevin, a really interesting conversation uh, that he decided to, to bring into the fold. And it actually goes very well with what we're going to talk about today, because after we go through our player performances of the week, we're going to talk a little bit about this whole Tampa Bay Rays situation where MLB gave them permission to just explore the possibility of being a two-city team between Tampa or St. Pete and Montreal. 
So it'll be very interesting how that unfolds, even though I think that, quite frankly, it won't happen. And I'll, talk, I'll speak about why. But why is that conversation what we're going to talk about today on a Marlins podcast? Well, because, number one, when that kind of conversation occurs, of course, you get the very lazy narratives. Well, the Marlins might be next. The Marlins attendance, look, well, maybe they could relocate. That's what Bruce Sherman and Derek Jeter want to do. I'm going to tell you why, one, that's not happening, why the Marlins are not leaving Miami, even if they could, until 2047, until I'm well into my 50s and older. So we're going to talk about that at length. I got my hands on the documents of Marlins Park Purchase and the agreement they have with MLB and the city of Miami, and we're going to go through that so that we can kind of rest some nerves a little bit, and then we're going to bring Kevin on. But as always, let's start off with our pitching performance. And you know what? I'm going to get lazy, right? Some people say, Danny, I don't like it when you have two or three options in your pitchers of the week and your hitters of the week. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't know what to tell you. I, I cannot choose when you have Alcantara one day going seven and two-thirds inning with one earned run. And then when you have two outings from Jordan Yamamoto, just another quote, peanut, from the Christian Yelich trade. First in St. Louis. That is in there for a called strike three. Here comes the one-two pitch. Swung on and missed. And Yamamoto back-to-back starts. Seven scoreless innings. Seven scoreless innings with seven Ks to two walks, only two hits. And then in Philadelphia, getting himself in some trouble, but loading the bases in the first inning. It was the first time that he really had some hiccups. 3-2 runner does not go, and Yamamoto gets the strikeout. A fastball by Miller, his fifth. Nothing to two here to Reese Hoskins, who comes up empty. A slider from Yamamoto, who's got six. That at 93, seven strikeouts in five innings. How did he respond? Well, he was able to get through five, only allowing two hits, two earned runs. And oh, by the way, he only walked one hitter the rest of the way. What about Gallon? What about Zach Gallon coming up, making his debut? Going five innings, only allowing one run, five hits. He struck out six. Another peanut, as a matter of fact, the four outings, two of them belonging to Yamamoto, are all from trade acquisitions. Isn't that interesting? So you choose. Because maybe I am being lazy, but I'm not going to choose between the outings. Sandy, I mean, I, I said Sandy first because it's impressive. Seven and two thirds. I didn't think he was going to go out there for the eighth, quite frankly. I actually sent out a tweet when he left uh, at, at the end of the seventh. You know, that's it. What an amazing outing. He went out back for the eighth. You were starting to see a little bit more durability there. Only allowed one run. Six Ks. Four walks is still something that we want to work on. But even then, he continues to limit the damage. And the way he's doing that, he, the kid doesn't give up home runs. There is something about his velocity and his movement. He doesn't give up home runs. He's towards the top of the leaderboard in Major League Baseball on that. And then you have Yams. I went on a ESPN Honolulu. Thank you for having me on, Bobby, in the Bobby Coran Show. He, they want to talk about Yams. Of course they want to talk about Yams. 
And the question really that stuck with me was he said, look, I, I don't even remember seeing him in high school. Tell me about his arsenal. I, I could have spent 10 minutes talking about Yamamoto's arsenal. The kid has six different pitches and two variations to his curveball, and he can throw a little slurve in there. And that's what continues to happen. He goes to St. Louis in front of 30,000 plus people, seven scoreless. He goes to Philadelphia in front of 40,000, two runs across five innings after they loaded the bases with no outs in the first inning. Impressive. And then Zach Gallen, of course, if I was, I'm a director, I can't even write that, gets called up against a team that he was traded from, the Cardinals, in front of his family that are all there. Five innings pitch, only one run allowed. The individual performances are beautiful, but we don't even have to stick at the individual performance. The Marlins starting pitching, I said it in my introduction, as a whole is ranked fifth. One, two, three, four, five. Fifth in Major League Baseball in earn run average. In fielding independent pitching, FIP, my go-to, eighth. Fifth in ERA, eighth in FIP. It is basically a consensus top 10 rotation in baseball. And these kids are 23 and 22 and 24 and 23 and 25. They are good, correction. They have been great. They're all under the age of 26. The reason this rebuild has progressed much faster than many expected, maybe even myself, the starting pitching. Now, that's not to say that Brian Anderson, who we're about to talk about, Garrett Cooper, who we're about to talk about, and others such as a Harold Ramirez and a George Alfaro prior to getting hurt, haven't added to that. Absolutely. If those names weren't producing the way that they were, we would still be talking about a rebuild that's right on pace. But guess what? They're producing at a higher rate than we'd expect. And when the starting pitching is 5th in ERA and 8th in FIP, you better believe that this is going to progress quicker than we think. Oh, and just for fun, you have Diaz and Monte and Brenton and others coming up. If, and rather when, they get their call up, if they support this elite pitching staff, this young pitching staff with even average offense, you're talking about a 500 club. You're talking about a 500 club. And maybe there are individuals that don't appreciate that that's what I'm saying. I, I'm sorry, sue me. Do I expect the pitching staff to continue performing at this level? You know, I'm not sure. They're young. There's going to be inconsistencies. There's going to have months where they don't perform at the way that they're doing right now. But I don't expect them to fall off a cliff. If this was a 32-year-old average pitching staff, I would expect regression and them to fall off a cliff. It's not. It's 23-year-olds. They're only going to get better. They're only going to be able to control their stuff better. They're only going to learn how to pitch and become unpredictable with their sequencing at a better rate. The Marlins are going to be good, and people need to wake up and realize it. I wrote an article early in the season talking about the starting staff possibly being a historically good one. In terms of Marlins history, I, of course, also got significant backlash for it. Well, guess what? They're making me a profit because every night they go out there and they prove me right. I'm not going to give the numbers away because I want you to go see it in depth. Go see where this 
Marlins rotation lines up in ERA and in FIP with the best rotations in Marlins history, the 1997s, the 2003s, the 2005s, whatever you want to point out. Go look at it. Come back to me and let me know if I was crazy when I said early on in the season that this starting staff would be a top five staff in Marlins history. If win-loss is an issue for you still, I mean, if if you're like 10 episodes deep with me and win-loss really is still an issue with you, I really thank you for, you know, listening to a different perspective, okay? Because I have been just trying to destroy win-loss and that narrative for a while. But I will say this, on whatever today's date is, let's see, today's date when I'm recording this, I have no idea, June 23rd or something to that extent. On June 23rd of 2019, I am telling you that this is the last year I don't care about win-loss. Next year, I care. So you can hold me to that. That next year, I care about win-loss. This year, I don't. And if you take that away, oh my goodness, what an exciting year to be a Marlins fan. Because you're seeing everything happen. You're seeing the young guys produce. You're seeing the pitching staff at an elite level. You're seeing what the future holds when a Monte Harrison, when an Isan Diaz comes up, when a hopefully an improved Lewis Brinson comes up, when a J.J. Blade makes his way here in a year and a half to two years, a Cameron Meisner, a Gerard Encarnacion. Just wait. Then again, the Marlins currently aren't by themselves on the pitching staff because there's some hitters on this team as well. Brian Anderson is someone that I think the Marlins should be t- bringing to the conversation of an extension. I wholeheartedly believe that. I sent that out. Uh, we had a roundtable for Fish Stripes SB Nation, and we discussed who we would extend, and I chose Brian Anderson. I also want to have a very shameless plug here. I also chose Caleb Smith to have a hot start. I think I was really the only one who said that, so self-pat on the back. Brian Anderson is putting himself into the conversation as a top Uh, third baseman in the National League, which is crazy to think of when you think of the names in the National League. His wins above replacement, I believe it's his B-War, baseball references, wins above replacement. It looks at a player's value, is top five in third base in the National League. What has he done this week? Well, he went 357, 400, 786. Infield and outfield straight up against Anderson, who awaits a 1-2 pitch. This one down the left field line. Is it going to have enough? It will. A two-run home run for Brian Anderson. I had someone ask me what a slash was, so I'm going to tell you that right now. When I say those three numbers back to back to back, it's called a slash line. It is the player's average, so that's the 357, followed by the players on base percentage, that's the 400. So that player got on base 40% of the time over the last week that he went up. And then followed by his slugging, 786. When you talk about OPS, that's on base plus slugging. I don't use that quite as often. I stick to slash lines. I think it gives you more of of an understanding. Brian Anderson, 357, 4786, three home run, including one today, six RBIs, one walk, three strikeouts, and elite. Listen, when I say something, I want you to go and find out if I'm right or wrong. When I give you a descriptor, elite, I want you to make sure that my bias is not coming out. Brian Anderson is playing elite defense at third. Elite, 
not good, not on par, not average, not above average, not great, elite defense at third. The second option, Garrett Cooper, 444, 464, 667. Again, that's his average on base slugging. One homer, almost got another one today. One walk, seven Ks. Garrett Cooper was a conversation piece either last week or two weeks ago where we spoke about possibly not having to go out and get a Jose Abreu because he could be the answer at first base. I, I'm I'm going to continue to say that this is something that might happen. He's currently on a 14-game hitting streak and has hit safely in 19 of his last 20 games. 19 of his last 20 games. He's doing it with good to above average defense at first as well. And I understand the age parameters here. He is a little bit older. He's 28. But again, this is entering prime and look at what he's doing. Gary Cooper's a good case of not having the fancy name and top 100 prospect designations by you. So the national media doesn't talk about you. But if a New York Yankee or if someone who had a top 100 uh, designation prior was hitting the way that Cooper's hitting this month, ESPN wouldn't shut up about him. Garrett Cooper is solidifying the fact that he's at least an option to be the long-term, and by long-term, I mean three to five years, answer at first base, which would mean that the Marlins could then use whatever money they might allocate, which for what it's worth, the only player under contract in the year 2020 is Chen. Everyone else is under team control or in their arbitration years, which means that the Marlins have a lot of money to spend, even just to get to the payroll that they have this year, which is $80 million. Penn is like, I believe, $22 million. So they have a, a lot, $60-plus million, which some of it will go to arbitration, but not, you know, not as much as you might think, which means they should be able to add someone if they want to and if it makes baseball sense. The answer might no longer be Jose Abreu, like I've said before, because Garrett Cooper is making sure that that's an obsolete theory. Miguel Rojas is also playing very well, so it might not even be a shortstop, even though I'm sure if they get a chance at a D.D. Gregorius or someone to that extent, they would think of it at the very least. Maybe some bullpen pieces. I'm not sure what they would do because it just looks like the youth is filling up all of the holes in this roster. But the money will be there. A little bonus for today that I'll add for the hitting performances of the week after, you know, Garrett Cooper and Brian Anderson is JT Riddle has decided to go to the minor leagues you know, grow himself a goatee, come back and just smash homers. Three home runs, five RBIs. He's slugging 643. And quite frankly, he's playing good center field. This is a shortstop who was a glove first shortstop, although he had some pop in his bat for a shortstop. That we have now transitioned over to center field, allowing Lewis Brinson to stay in AAA, allow Lewis Brinson to get his confidence, allow Lewis Brinson to work on his K's per nine and walks per nine. And JT, yeah, Riddle's doing fine. Riddle is manning center field well. Riddle's never going to be someone that's going to give you a 300 average. He's not going to get on base at a 350 clip. But he's had some big home runs. The late inning home run against the Cardinals. Today he had a go-ahead home run, which at the end of the day uh, was huge at that moment, especially for me personally, for Yamamoto's psyche. Give him back the lead after he had given it up the inning prior. Good for Goatee Riddle. Just good for Goatee Riddle. My wife thinks that it looks great, by the way. 
She loves the goatee look. JT Riddle with a nice little, uh, I believe, someone who deserves some recognition for what he's doing. Let's get to the dialogue piece. I was about to go on ESPN Honolulu when I received a notification. And the notification was something that I had feared my entire existence as a Marlins fan prior to the stadium being built and prior to me doing some research on the stadium agreement. A major league team has gotten permission to basically seek out the first step for relocation because that's what it is. That, that's what this is. You know, Tampa's never, the government officials there are never going to let the Rays go and do a half and half, please. The players aren't going to allow that. Can you imagine having to live in two different countries, having to have twice as much rent? It's not happening. But what this is, is a pseudo attempt at being creative with the full understanding that this is leading to relocation. The only reason that I did not have to have heart palpitations before going on ESPN was because. It said the Rays. And quite frankly, for all of the, I guess I'll say, uh, criticisms that I have with Jeffrey Loria, it's also the only reason I didn't have heart palpitations before going on ESPN was because of that man. Because that man, whether it was done in a way that Miami likes it or I like it or anyone likes it, was able to get a stadium for the Marlins. Now. Before I get to that, let me just reiterate. I don't think that this whole entire playing in Tampa early in the season and then in Montreal later in the season and having a split would allow you to have a stadium in Tampa that doesn't need a roof because early in the season, it shouldn't be too hot. I, I don't think that this is going to happen. It's awful logistics for players. It's awful logistics for fans and for the club. And to be honest, right, it, it, it's It's foolish. So it's not going to happen. But like I said, it did bring up this conversation of what about if the Marlins were to leave Miami? I decided I've had enough of that conversation. So I decided to get my hands on the agreement for Marlins Park. It's public. You could do the same. The individuals that say, oh, Jeter and Sherman, they just want to leave Miami. Oh, look at the attendance numbers. They just want to leave Miami. Oh, it's never going to work. You know, like you could have done the same thing that I did if you just decided to get in your car and find it, or even uh, some portions are available online. But I got my hands on the agreement for Marlins Park with the city officials and Major League Baseball. And here are some notes. Number one, non-relocation agreement. Quote, the team shall enter into a non-relocation agreement that will unconditionally, bold highlight, whatever you want to do with that word, unconditionally require the team to maintain its Major League Baseball franchise in the city of Miami for the term of the management agreement. Remember management agreement for a second. The non-relocation agreement shall require the team to operate and maintain a Major League Baseball franchise within the baseball stadium as its home stadium and to play all of its regular season and postseason home games, which there will be some of soon enough, at the baseball stadium. I asked you to remember the words management agreement. Here's the management agreement later on in the document. The county stadium manager, and if necessary, the city, and it was, 
shall enter into a management agreement which shall set forth the terms for the exclusive right, authority, and responsibility of operation, management, and use of the baseball stadium by the stadium manager, the owners. The term of the management agreement shall be 35 years with two five-year renewal periods. That is 35 years from the point of execution of this document with options for 45 years. Basically, the only way this happens before 2047 is if Major League Baseball, the Marlins, and the city of Miami all get the same lawyers to somehow find a way to redo or amend this contract. And guess what? That's not happening. That's not happening because the Marlins themselves have just invested $15 million into the new stadium that they don't even own and many million more into their surrounding areas trying to bring back this fan base. That's not happening with Major League Baseball because Major League Baseball is already likely going to lose a Southeast region in the Rays. They're definitely not going to allow a huge market like Miami and the gateway to the Caribbean and the South Americas and the international market to be closed off with their closest team being in Georgia. And quite frankly, city of Miami is not going to allow that because then they're going to have a huge unleashed part of their city in little Havana, a state of the art stadium. Cause it is, it's beautiful and it's state of the art just sitting there because there's nothing. I don't care if there's only 10,000 people at a stadium every day. I don't care if there's less than that. There is nothing that will, bring back as much money to the city of Miami as having a professional baseball team within its borders. They're not going anywhere. More quotes from the document. Organizations shall not enter, listen to this one, shall not enter into any contract or agreement or even make a request to Major League Baseball to one, relocate its franchise outside of the city of Miami in violation of Clause B, and two, play any regular season or playoff MLB home game in any location other than the baseball stadium outside of extravagant circumstances. What do you take away from that? They can't even legally consider it. The Marlins cannot even legally consider moving or asking Major League Baseball to get permission the way that the Rays did until 2047. I've also heard, yeah, but Danny, they didn't make the agreement with the new ownership. That changes things, doesn't it? I mean, it's a whole entire new partnership. No, no, it doesn't. From the document, sales or transfers, the Marlins shall have the right to transfer ownership of the Marlins franchise during the term of the lease to the extent permitted by Major League Baseball, provided that the new franchise, listen, agrees in writing prior to the transfer to assume all of the Marlins' obligation under the lease, including the non-relocation agreement and ballpark management agreement. They cannot go anywhere. Now, you may be listening to me, and you might say, you know, Danny, brother, you know, te quiero, I appreciate you, I love you, I like listening to you, you're real big on this, you're real excited, you know, you might be a little bit too positive sometimes, but my guy, you're just someone who was able to get their hands on a document. You're not a lawyer, you can't read what, what it's telling you. Okay, here's the beauty of Twitter. The beauty of Twitter is that Barack Obama could answer you something, and it's probably just, you know, his, his, 
hands uh, his aid, uh, that Dwayne Wade can see something and respond to you, that anyone out there with a blue check mark can verify it and, and can discuss things with you that this wouldn't have been able to happen 20 or so years ago. David Sampson, who, again, I will say I have critiqued, responded to my thread. These are his exact words. The Marlins are in Miami for decades to come. After 2047, who knows? Then he added, side note, 30 teams in Major League Baseball, so a World Series win every 30 years is expected, meaning we are covered, statistically speaking, until 2053. Okay, now you've gotten me to show you the documents. Now you've gotten the person who wrote the documents, David Sampson at the time, who for what it's worth, I will take any opportunity to bash on the current ownership in Marlins because, I mean, come on, that helps his persona and that helps who he is. Clarifying, validating, and putting his stamp of approval on my thread of tweets, on my findings. The Marlins are not going anywhere. The Marlins are not the Tampa Rays. The Marlins are not going to be relocated to Montreal or Las Vegas or whatever place you want to take them to. It's not happening. So when someone tells you that, just point them to my Twitter feed or point them to this recording or point them to the legal documents. There's no fear in that happening. Attendance can be awful, which for what it's worth, I don't believe it will be. And there's still no fear in it happening. The Miami Marlins are here to stay. The Miami Marlins now have a top 10-ish because I can't say that with consensus, but a, a top 10 farm system in baseball. They absolutely do objectively have a top five rotation in all of baseball. They have young offensive pieces in Cooper and Ramirez and Anderson and Alfaro. The Miami Marlins are here to stay. They're not going anywhere and they're dangerous on and off the field. I'm just one guy. I clearly have my own opinion on this franchise, on where they're going and what they're doing. But oh man, that minority that stuck with the franchise and saw the plan, they're getting louder. Kevin Smith is about to come on. I hope you enjoyed my section of it, but I need you to stick for this next section because Kevin is great. <laughs> Kevin has his own interesting thoughts. Uh, Kevin uh, is, is someone who yeah, I'll agree with. I agree with a lot, and then there's times that I don't agree with him, but he always can carry a good baseball conversation, always keep it respectful, and he always has foundation behind what he's saying. So I'm sure that you're going to enjoy this upcoming interview. Welcome back on Like I Left right before Kevin called in. Kevin actually didn't hear this, so he's going to hear this for the first time. I am beyond excited for the fact that he's here. He was actually driving down from somewhere. Like He just got home. He just got unpacked, and he still decided that he was ready to do this. But the reason that I'm excited, number one, is because Kevin is someone, uh, and, and you'll get all of his information on how you can find him on Twitter. Kevin is someone that even if you don't agree with which I agree with quite a lot, Craig Franklin. There's not a lot of people I find that I agree with a lot. Um, he really knows how to back up his stuff. And you can really see that it comes from a place of 
true baseball acumen and an understanding of the game. And I think that with the stories and the topics that he has for us today, y'all are really going to appreciate what he brings to the show. So without having to hear more from me, Kevin, brother, thank you for coming on. Thank you for like quickly getting home and unpacking and making this happen. <laughs> uh, go ahead and let, let the people know a little bit about you. Let them know what you do, a little bit about your Marlins fandom. Yeah, for sure. First of all, I want to say, you know, thank you, Danny, for having me on. You know, I love the pod. I love everything that you do on Twitter. Um, everyone out there, I'm Kevin Smith. Um, I'm actually a uh, pharmaceutical sales rep in the South Florida area. Um, so any doctors out there or anything like that, um, you maybe see me on the regular. Um, yeah, um, just to hit on my Marlins fandom, I've been a Marlins fan since uh, I could remember. Um, probably uh the 97 season i'm 27 years old so around when i was five or six years old that's the earliest i can remember watching the marlins loving everything about the marlins i was the type of kid um that my perfect tuesday night after you know going to baseball practice and all of that was sitting down and watching a marlins game and i actually um used to score um the marlins games i used to, I used to get a score buck i used to buy a score buck at our local store down the street nice. and i literally used to score every single marlins game um and i used to drive my mom crazy and I, i'd grab a bat and i would emulate every single batter that would go up to plate as well are you sure we're not brothers i wasn't <laughs> dude i know like i used to drive my sister wild because um you know we would always sit down for family dinner every night and you know my dad wanted to watch jeopardy my sister wanted to watch something you know that you know Something probably on, you know, I don't know, E-Channel, Bravo, something. And then I always wanted to watch the Marlins game. And somehow, some way, you know, 80% of the time, I won the argument and we ended up watching the Marlins game. So, you know, from as far as I can remember, you know, I love the Marlins. Um, Let me I'm ask you. Supportive I, 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 won't, I, won't put you, I won't put you on the spot, but who was your favorite player to, like, imitate their batting stance? So um, I was actually a huge fan um, of doing uh, Griffey whenever they had a chance to play Griffey. Obviously, as a kid, whenever Griffey was on the TV, I loved emulating his batting stance, even though I'm a righty. Um, so I actually enjoyed the lefties more because it was kind of like more fun because, you know, I wasn't a lefty, so it kind of made it more difficult. Right. Um, but as a Marlins player, my favorite Marlins player was, uh, in general, was actually one of my favorites was Kevin Millar. Got him! Um, I loved the way Kevin Millar played the game. I thought he had so much fun while playing the game. And then obviously he had the little bat wiggle right. when he came into the batter's box. So, I mean, those are probably my favorites. Um, but yeah, going off the, the Marlins fandom thing, I have an interesting story too. Real quick, I know we don't have that much time. No, you're um, good. I actually, when I was 11 years old, just to kind of give you guys a, an idea of how big of a Marlins fan I was, Growing up, I had a very serious surgery. Um, I had a tumor in my left leg that had to be uh, operated on. And this was during um, 2003. Um, so they didn't know if the tumor was cancerous, if it was benign. Um, so this actually, the surgery took place in October that year. Um, and it actually was, the day of the surgery was the day of the NLDS game against the Giants. Um, of the infamous Jeff Conine to Pudge Rodriguez throw from left field. And the only thing I had in my mind, I, you know, I could ask the doctor, you know, how long is the surgery going to be? I could ask the doctor, you know, how do I know if it's cancerous? All this stuff, you know, like normal things to ask about a surgery. Right. I asked 
Doc, am I going to be done by the time the first pitch goes for the playoff game? That's all I cared about. Oh, my <laughs> and my mom was like, Kevin, really? Like, come on. Like, but that's really all I cared about. And that's what you cared is, about that day. Yeah, man. That is what I cared about. And you want to hear something funny for as much as I love the Marlins and as many games as I've watched the Marlins, I was actually able to watch that game, but I had such bad nausea that they gave me something for the nausea and I passed out and I missed oh, my that play live. So I've watched all these games, but I will always only be able to watch that play on a replay. I've never seen that live. So I woke up and my mom kind of had this weird look because she knew what I had just missed. And I asked her, like, did we win? She's like, yes, we won. But it's like one of the yeah. biggest plays in Marlins history. Um, but yeah, so that's that, hilarious. That it's OK. Right I, sums I, up. I actually missed the Alu, the Alu play in left field. So again, oh. I'm telling you, we're brothers. We're brothers. I, I missed the <laughs> Louis Castillo foul ball, and and my father was out here yelling about something, whatever the case may be. And I don't know, probably upset that Alou was upset. And I come back <laughs> and I see it. So yeah, that same play that gets replayed every single time. I didn't but see you it, live. it live. Never saw it live. Never saw it live. By the way, I because my wife would kill me. Okay, before I rudely interjected and I asked you who your favorite stance was. I swear you were about to say something about your wife. So if my wife hears back this playback <laughs> and you're like, listen, you cut him off before he was about to talk kindly about his wife because he's a good husband, like I, she would kill me. So please, whatever your thought was that you were going to say, <laughs> something about a supportive wife, please continue. No, yeah, I said I'm also blessed with a very supportive wife that allows me to watch my, my games. Uh, um, we have a very awesome setup to what we do is I, you know, I'm a big uh, Fox Sports Go guy. So she'll be watching whatever she wants to watch on the TV. And then I'll have the game always right there, right next to me playing. Even if I'm watching what's on the TV, I'll always have it just kind of there, you know, just to kind of check in on what's going on and it's stuff like that. So it's healthy. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You figure out how to, you know get what you want but also she gets what she wants so yeah my wife you know, is but, from trinidad and like there they have cricket they don't have baseball so okay. she has incorporated all of my sports so now she's a dolphins fan and she's a marlins fan and she knows what sadness go. feels like but you know at the very <laughs> least she's always with me and she's always at the park and she's fantastic so yes i love you honey i did not cut <laughs> off the man before he was going to talk about his <laughs> wife and you know both of our wives are great good um, job man good job. <laughs> absolutely <laughs> Absolutely. All right, yeah, so, that's a little bit of how, like, you know, just that kind of sums up, you know, everything on my fanhood. Just kind yeah, of be a little bit. Uh, and, it, and it's a good, it's a good story too. And I promise you that you and I are brothers. Like you and I. I mean, you had Kevin. <laughs> I love Millar too. Obviously, I had like the stereotypical. Like I loved Gary Sheffield. Everyone wanted to imitate Sheffield stands. Yeah. And, oh man. Absolutely. Any kind of excitement to it. All right. So. <laughs> Don't worry about time, because seriously, I love this. All right, you talk about you talk as much as you want, um, but let's go into kind of where we're at right now. Right, the Marlins have good things going for them, not so great things going for them. Different perspectives. What's yours on the rebuild and where they're going and what the direction of the organization looks like? Yeah, so you know, I, I think we've had this conversation on Twitter a lot. You know, especially me and you. Um, I'm one of those that I'm a competitive guy. You know, I played baseball throughout high school. Um, you know, everything like that. And, you know, yeah, the wins, losses, you know, you want to win as many games as possible, you know? And I know we've had this, I, I know you and me have had this conversation on Twitter at one point, mm -hmm. you know, I'm not for the tank for torque and I'm not for all of that. Right. You know, I think you got to go out and, you know, you got to try to win every game, you know? Yeah. But we know obviously the talent may not be there, so you're not going to win as many games as you want. But, you know, I'm one of those is you, you go out and you try to win every day. 
you know, I'm not going to be like, oh, I'm so happy we lost, you know, because we're one step closer to getting, you know, Torkelson, you know, like that's not right. me. Um, you know, but, you know, you've got to be as, as a Marlins fan. And I know it's tougher than most people think and, and all that. But, you know, you got to be happy with what's going on. Like, you know, and it's one of those where it's like, you know, obviously and, and this weekend I was with my family and they're like, oh, well, you know, look at what Yelich is doing. And then, of course, I go into the whole splits and I tell him, you know, he never would have done this at Marlins Park, yada, yada, yada. And yes, it sucks. because You see guys like that that, you know, are young. They're flourishing. They're doing great things, mm -hmm. but they're building it the right way this time. You know, when you go and see an Edward Cabrera getting, you know, he's 21 years old. He's already being promoted to, um, to double A. You know, when you see, you know, what Isan Diaz is doing in triple A, you know, what you see what Monte Harrison's doing in triple A. We see what every day when we watch the Marlins where there's just a new guy mm -hmm. in the majors dropping six, seven innings. Uh, one run baseball, like it's it's astounding. The pitching depth is absolutely astounding, and I, you know it's one of those things where you know yeah we had all these like amazing okay, not amazing but you know young flourishing players like Ozuna, mm -hmm. Yelich, Stanton. But what happens when they go down? What happens when they get hurt? No one would be able to come and even come close to refilling their role, and mm -hmm. that's what they're doing right now. With the Marlins is they're they're stacking talent. And it's kind of it's kind of the same concept to where, you know, if, if there's any college football fans listening, it's the same way to where you stack talent. It doesn't matter if you have stud sophomores at uh, stud sophomores and freshmen at running back. You want to go out and get another five star running back the next cycle because you're just stacking talent on top of talent. And that's right. what the Marlins are doing right now. They're they're finding ways to build depth where they're saying, you know, we're going to have so much depth throughout our system that, you know what, if we if we end up developing guys and they become all-stars and if they get hurt, we're not screwed because, you know, we got another guy that we can call up. And, yeah, he may not give us the same production, but, you know, we're going to be okay. So, you know, whereas the Marlins teams in the past, you know, yeah, you know, they, you know, they had their moments and, you know, they, you know, the Stanton home run season was a great season. It was a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. But you know what? We didn't have the pitching. Right. <laughs> and that's what they're doing now. And winning always starts with pitching. The Marlins had really nice individual performances that all together yielded 75 win teams. You know, it wasn't, it, there wasn't depth. There wasn't enough uh, ability to come up if there was an injury. There wasn't enough pitching at all. Even the ones that were healthy after the tragedy of Jose, it, it was, it was a difficult bandaid to rip, but what I'm getting from what you're saying is that once they did it, look at the kind of fruits that are coming from it. And we're starting to see it come into play. Like Danny, like look at what just happened. Like today, look at what just happened this weekend. You go into Philadelphia into probably one of the most hitter friendly parks. Like I was one of those, I was one of those guys going into this series that I was like, this is, this is setting up bad. You yeah, know, the Phillies have lost what five, four, four, five straight. You know, like we got, you know, the young guys going, we got Sandy going, we got Yamamoto. He's not going to keep up what he's doing. You know, we got Eliezer, you know, like it, it's going to set up for a bad series. You know, the Phillies are pissed. You know, they're going to come out and just kind of wail on us. And, you know, they, they went in there. Sandy threw almost eight innings of one run ball. He's 23 years old. Eliezer the next day, five innings, three runs, 24 years old. Today, Jordan Yamamoto, five innings, two run ball. Like in probably one of the most hitter friendly parks 
in baseball, that's astounding. Like mm-hmm. you don't see that. Like, you know, like it, it's, and then you got Zach Gallon doing the same thing in, in St. Louis, you know, they're doing the same thing in St. Louis. Like it's, it's crazy that day in and day out, you see a new guy doing something, just throwing him in the mix. And he just goes out there and gives good baseball. He goes out there and throws strikes, which is what they've been doing, by the way, except for today. Yamamoto had a little bit of struggle with the strike zone. But, you know, that's the thing you see with these guys, too. They're coming up here and they're throwing strikes. Throwing strikes, they're attacking the zone, and they're trying to get outs. And it's really refreshing because, yeah, we had the hitters over the years with Stanton, Yelich, Ozuna, but our pitching was absolutely god-awful. Chen was our third starter at one point. Let's just put that into perspective. Yeah, he was like, our opening it, day starter one year as well. I mean, <laughs> like, uh. come on. Like, when that's where you're at, like, you have some serious issues. And the fact that they've turned this over in almost less than two years, like, it's astounding. Like, it's 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 crazy. Like, I, it's understated how amazing it's been. You know, it, the fact that you're a top five ERA in baseball after that was what your second or third starter was a couple years ago. Like they don't get enough credit and they won't unfortunately until they start, you know, making runs at the playoffs and people right. are really going to start paying attention. You know, we know how it is. Um, but you know what? More and more people, they are in the Miami area. They're starting to take notice. They're starting to pay attention and it's just going to get even better when Isan gets called up, when Monte gets called up, when all these guys start coming up, and they start to realize, hey, you know, maybe Lewis was only one player of four players we got back in that trade. You know, yeah, what maybe a these other guys. Yeah, maybe Lewis was the fourth worst player we got in that trade. You know, we really don't know that yet. And, mm-hmm. you know, and I still have high hopes for Lewis. But, you know, like it's just people need to give it time. But there's definitely really, really good things to be excited about. Absolutely. And and that's to when we're looking about the starting pitching the two best arms in the system might not even be up yet. I mean, Sixto Sanchez and Edward Cabrera might be the best arms at the end of the day. Exactly. And then, and then you look at even guys in lower systems like a Jordan Holloway, a Braxton Garrett, a Trevor Rogers. I mean, the, the depth there is ridiculous. And the offensive pieces are going to come. Isan Diaz having a great year. Monte Harrison doing the same, even though he was hurt for a bit. You know, Lewis Brinson is still going to be that question mark. When J.J. Blade gets here, when Cameron Meisner gets here, I mean, there are there are bats that will be coming within two to three years and some immediately coming within this year and the arms are there already. So I, disgusting. I think it, yeah, I think Absolutely it's, disgusting. It, it is uh, correct. It is disgusting. And, and I'm excited <laughs> for it and people are going to start realizing it uh, and figuring it out. And uh, you could already see the wave turning a little bit on Twitter and even with the national media and some national writers are, are picking up on this. So it's it's exciting. It's exciting to see. Now we have like five more minutes together, and I want to come yeah. up. I want to finish up with a conversation that you brought up onto Twitter, and it went just really well with what I was speaking about today. So again, I know you didn't hear my first uh, portion, but I was speaking about the fact that the Marlins aren't going to be relocating anytime soon. That they aren't a you know Tampa uh, Rays situation because of the agreement that they have. David Sampson then also validated and clarified that the fact that the Marlins. I think the first year that they'd be able to leave is 2047. Like, I don't know how old you're going to be. Well, you told me you were 27, but I'm not good with math. But we'd be in our 50s. <laughs> we'd be in our 50s, basically, yes, by the time that the 50s, Marlins yeah. could could move out, right? Um, you know, yeah, like doctorate here, but I can't do math. Yeah, we'd be in our 50s. Uh, I, you brought up the conversation and you 
it was great about what you would do. And you asked Twitter what you would do if your team leaves. Like, do you do you follow that team? Obviously not physically, but you follow that team from a distance. Do you take over a new team? I, I wonder where that thought came from and what your perspective is on that. Because I really thought that it was interesting and a lot of people gave you feedback. Yeah, you know, we actually ha I actually had close to like 180 votes. And I think the one that won out was to continue to follow the team. You know, the one that, you know, just even if they leave, you, you continue to follow them. I just, it's something that I've always worried about. You know, if you're, if you're a huge fan of a team, you know, you never want to hear rumblings, even if they're just, you know, art articles for fun about like, oh, you know, what if the Marlins move to Montreal? And now obviously we know through your awesome research that, you know, that can't happen for quite some time. But it's something that we always worry about. You know, you go, right. you, you know, I go to games and there's like, you know, seven, eight thousand people there. And you you have to think you got to take your Marlins glasses off for a second and say, this is not good, not good for business. Yeah. You know, and, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, it worries me. And I was just kind of posing the fact to myself, kind of, and I kind of want to throw it on Twitter. And, you know, for me um, and my perspective on it. You know, I, I just think I'm too emotionally attached um, to this team in general. Like even, you know, Brian, people like Brian Anderson or Jorge Alvaro already, I'm too attached to where, I, you know, I can't just follow a new team. You know, and I've been following this team since I was a little child. Yes, the, the city may change, the city name may change, but to me, it's still the same team that I grew up with. Um, and, and to me, it also matters the circumstance. If the Marlins do everything in their power and they've already started changing stadium, you know, renovations and stuff like that, you know, they sign good players, you know, they keep guys around and people still don't come out to the stadium. You know, I'm not going to have any ill will. I'm obviously going to understand from a business standpoint is they got to get out of town. Right. And, you know, I, you know, at that point, it's, it's a given. I will continue to be a fan of that team. Now, if it's one of those things where it's like, you know, it's randomly, you know, people, more people start coming on board, you know, the, the fans start to come out, you know, you know, obviously, but if that were to happen, they probably don't move. So that's what I'm saying, you know, usually, you know, from what I've seen from Jeter and, and company, they're doing everything that they can. I think they are going to be one of those ownerships that's really going to try hard and they've already have to, to gain the trust of the Marlins fans. Um, but yeah, me, like, I know you said that I would just be a fan of the sport, I think. I always yeah. need to have a team. Um, I, I'm one of those guys where I love baseball. I really do. But I, know, I, I struggle sometimes just sitting down and watching a random baseball game and just sitting there and watching nine, nine innings. Of you need some investment. You, you need to be invested yes. in it. Right. Yes. Um, and it's the same with a lot of sports for me. Um, you know, football is probably one of those. I'm not because obviously you have fantasy football. It brings you a little bit more excitement to random games that you're watching. But you know, baseball, as much as I love it, you know, I definitely need to be emotionally invested in a team. Um, but yeah, I, I would probably just continue to follow the team no matter where it went at this point. Yeah, I think that my, I think I have like caveats to my answer, right? I think your point was really well illustrated. It depends on how the team leaves. So for instance, when Loria was kind of basically threatening to leave if Miami didn't give him a stadium around 2010, 2011, yeah. 2009, that's a much different taste than what this current of ownership course. is doing, 
you know they're investing in money they're putting money into a stadium that they don't even own they're investing into the community if by 2047 i don't even know sherman would still be here as the owner by 2047 (laughs) but if by 2047 miami has just failed the marlins even if they've won a championship or whatever the case is and they leave i think i would still follow that product because i mean come on that's half of my life that i've been exactly one organization (laughs) but if it was like a jeffrey loria situation then i think i would you know, wait until there's a team here. And then obviously whoever has Miami in front of their name, they got me. Um, Or I would follow the sport in general. Now, something that maybe we haven't even thought of, and I'm not sure if someone mentioned it in Twitter, but it's very related to the Rays situation. The reason your conversation is so interesting, at least part of it, is the Rays might be in this situation. And if Miami and the Marlins can really capitalize on being South Florida's only team again, and exactly. I know that that's very sad to hear if you're a Rays fan or, um, you know, we'll see. I, I, like I said in my section, I don't think this whole entire split team thing is going to happen. Split city. Nah, I think no way just, the Players Association is going to yeah, allow it either. No chance. No I think this is just the first step. This is a pseudo uh, creative step towards relocation. That's that's my mm-hmm. gut. Right. Um, Miami is then again, you know, not the Florida Marlins, but really they are. A- and it would be interesting because then the Rays would have to, uh, the race fans to see if they can garner some of that attention exactly from Tampa. Exactly. And, and if they can, I mean, it's, it's beneficial to the fish and that's sad to say for people that are race fans, but it's an interesting concept because as soon as you poise that question, you know, I thought about myself and then now I'm thinking, wow, the race might actually be in real life in this kind of hypothetical and the yeah, Marlins like, are the closest do? thing. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a very, it's a very interesting situation, and it's the one thing that I guess we can thank Loria and Samson for, even if it was done in a way that we might not agree with. Um, the fact that the Marlins are going to be here till at least 2047 is something we should most likely be very proud of now that it looks like they're in somewhat competent hands, uh, at least on the baseball <laughs> side and on the business Well, thank side. you, Loria and Samson, yes. for that one. Thank, thank you, Loria and Samson, for that parting <laughs> gift. Even if, you know, it's okay. I mean, they made a lot of money, so they're they're perfectly fine with the way that things ended here. Uh, yes, all right, Kevin, thanks. so I, I will let you go back to, you know, your beautiful wife, who is amazing, right? You, you said yes. all the right things. Um, <laughs> I will go back to my beautiful wife as well, who's also amazing. Uh, but before that, let the people know where they can find you on Twitter, because I'm sure that after hearing this, they're, they're going to want to talk to you. Yeah, guys, uh, my Twitter handle is uh, smith31kev on Twitter. Um, yeah, follow me. I, I don't talk just Marlins, I, although I do t- talk a lot of Marlins. I'm a Tell me about your podcast. Kane- yeah, yeah, I'm a huge Canes fan as well. Um, and I'm actually, we have a podcast. Um, I'm the co-host on a Canes podcast called the Canes Cast. Um, you can probably find it on my, uh, you actually can find it on my profile. Um, it's linked at the top. Um, so yeah, give us a follow. Um, we actually have a pod coming out in a couple days. Um, so look out for that. Um, so yeah, everything, Mar- everything, Miami Marlins, Canes, uh, dolphins, heat, you know, just give me a follow and we can talk uh, Miami sports. Yeah. I think you even have it on your, on your head or on Twitter. Like you have all the logos if I'm remembering correctly. I do. Yep. Yeah. I'm a Miami that's, boy. through. I'm telling you, man, man you're just a, a brother that we, we just found each other now. That's, that's, that's <laughs> brother all from another mother. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, brother. Thank you for coming on, man. I appreciate it. And as always, go fish. Okay. Thank you so much, Danny. I appreciate it.